Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Now, it makes sense if, if, that if you're physically sick, it can affect your mental health too. And the opposite is also the case. So why does medicine continue to draw a distinction between the two things? In a recent piece in The Guardian, Edward Bulmore, a professor of psychiatry in Cambridge, argued that this shouldn't be the case. Edward, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Sean. Uh, are you arguing against medical specialisations? Uh, not entirely. Uh, I think medical specialisation obviously has some you know, major advantages. You wouldn't want a psychiatrist uh, operating uh, on your uh, leg, for example. I mean, there are areas where medical specialization is very uh, important and appropriate. But I think particularly in terms of the interface between physical and mental health, uh, there is room for greater integration than we have in the system at the moment. And and does that mean that when somebody presents with an apparently physical ailment, there might be some psychological fallout from that, or perhaps that that, that uh, a psychological ailment might have a physical element to it? Well, I think it cuts both ways. I mean, if you if you start with people who've got a physical ailment, let's say arthritis, for example, or cardiovascular disease, uh, we know that actually if you talk to those patients, an awful lot of them have some psychological symptoms, often anxiety, depression, uh, fatigue, uh, some slight degree of of cognitive impairment, what people call brain fog. You know, these are very common uh, symptoms of medical or physical disease. And in fact, if you you talk to patient advocacy groups uh, who uh, survey their members uh, for what they regard as the greatest unmet need, it's very often psychological symptoms uh, that come top of those lists. And, and I think they're rather neglected, um, under-investigated um, by medical teams. Um, and it should be possible, I think, to take a more integrated approach so that, for example, in a medical outpatient clinic, you might have a, uh, a psychologist in attendance or, uh, better still, uh, the physicians are trained to ask questions about people's mental state, how they're feeling, and to... Um, you know, take a constructive approach to dealing with those symptoms as they do the physical symptoms. Mm. Uh, that is interesting. That, that um, Last year I had a detached retina and mm. just before I went in for the surgeon, the ophthalmic surgeon came in to me and said, I'm going to operate, should be all fine, but here's the thing you have to take into account. You're going to spend the next week with your head bowed in a prone position, uh, not moving. And you're going to feel awful. He didn't mean physically awful. He meant I would feel psychologically awful because I would feel completely helpless. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, his specialization was eyes, but obviously he'd observe this in people. I knew there would be a psychological component to it later on. And that would probably be the more difficult part when you were healing. I think it's commendable even to sort of anticipate that there will be sort of psychological implications for treatment. Um, and I think your your surgeon, you know, uh, did a good thing there by recognising that that's what you were going to experience. Uh, mm. Not all surgeons, I have to say, would do the same. But I think that's more the direction we should be going. When it comes to mental illnesses, probably a bit more progress is being made on the possible physical causes of that, which yeah. might be partial or whole. Mm-hmm. Uh, there'd be some way to go in terms of, of, of meshing those two areas together, I would imagine. Yes. I mean, I think we're still, uh, you know, it's still a work in progress, to be honest, working out... Uh, exactly how mental health problems like depression, schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, and so on, how, how they have their roots 
in the biology, in the, bio, in the, in the body. But there has been tremendous progress, uh, I think, also over the last 15 years or so particularly. Um, I mean, just looking at the genetics, uh, for example, you know, we know that a lot of these um, disorders of mental health run in families. Um, and, it, it, you know, we've known that for decades, but it's only in the last five or six years that the research endeavor has kind of scaled up to the point that we can actually say, well, look, here are the specific genes that might be contributing risk uh, for these different disorders. And once you know the genes, that unlocks a whole uh, additional level of biological understanding, understanding where these um, problems might come from. I think another very important area of progress recently has been recognizing, you know, if, when do mental health problems arise for the first time? It's so psychiatric illness is typically um, uh, emerges for the first time in, in younger people, and uh, we're increasingly recognizing that that has a lot to do with the development of the brain, the development of the body, uh, and how the brain, in a way, sort of uh, reflects the experience of the individual, both their genetic inheritance and the environmental adversities they might have been exposed to in earlier lives. So I think taking a more developmental perspective um, and understanding that, you know, when somebody becomes uh, mentally unwell for the first time, let's say in their late teens, early 20s, that isn't uh, typically a bolt from the blue. It probably represents the outcome of quite a long-term trajectory mm. that's, that's led up to that point. But, uh, I, would, but I imagine in many cases it's also situational as well as physical. So one of the points that I made in the, um, in the Guardian article earlier this week was that... We shouldn't get too hung up about the, disti the distinction between physical and social when it comes to um, the causes of mental illness. You know, we know, and it's established beyond doubt, that social stresses, uh, particularly early in life, have a major adverse impact on mental health. And uh, I'm not saying we should ignore that or deny it, but what I think is interesting is the, the sort of growing science in terms of understanding how those uh, social stresses, those social shocks, uh, can have enduring effects, um, not just in terms of one's sort of um, an immediate psychological state, but in terms of one's um, bodily development uh, and the kind of long-term health risks that will ensue. Um, I don't know if I've said that terribly clearly, but the point is really that the distinction between social factors and biological factors, I think we've overemphasized that in terms of thinking about where mental illness comes from. And what I find exciting about the current state of knowledge is that you can begin to see how these things are going to join up uh, and we can uh, understand why it is that early life adversity has such you know, um, deleterious effects on mental health and indeed physical health for decades uh, after the, the adversity exposure. Could you be looking at a future, though, in terms for, you know, for uh, people who are medics, that it's a, it would become an increasingly vast area of study? It would take you, you know, decades to become fully qualified. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, there's always, going back to your earlier question, I mean, there's always going to be, you know, room for deep specialisation. But I think for many practitioners... Uh, not just medics, actually, but, you know, uh, clinical psychologists, uh, nurses, uh, other people working with patients, I think we could 
And I would hope we will see training and career development pathways that offer people more of an opportunity to think about the whole patient all at once, to think about the mental and the physical together. Um, that will mean learning a bit more, and perhaps it would mean learning in a you know domain of knowledge that's uh, a little bit outside one's sort of principal specialization. But it's clearly going to be the, for the benefit of patients, I think, to have that more um, overall perspective. Um, and I think many, I think many practitioners would frankly welcome uh, a little bit more encouragement to to think about how to join up the dots uh, and make sense of a, a patient's overall presentation rather than sort of splitting each patient into bits, as it were, mm. uh, and referring them each uh, on to an appropriate specialist. Edward Bulmore is Professor of Psychiatry at the University of Cambridge and the author of The Inflamed Mind, A Radical New Approach to Depression, also the author of that article in The Guardian. Edward, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at 2pm. On News Talk.